Yeah, girl. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. Stop. Ah. I want people to know what our conversations are like before we start the podcast. (sighs) Well, they're they're better than that. That's not how they go. No. You're listening to The Dollop on the All Things Comedy Network. It's a bilingual American history podcast where each week I, Dave Anthony, read a story from American history to a guy. Gareth Reynolds, who has no idea what the topic is going to be about. I'm your friend. He used to say that. let's, Let's not get ahead of ourselves. You must be happy to be recording a dollop. You've only had to write... Three, <laughs> <seven> <laughs> yeah, it's been a rough week. I just want to say that. Why? Because oh, you had to write all those? I don't know. <laughs> oh, it hurts when I laugh. I hurt my ribs. Oh, what? I hurt my ribs. And called it, quote, his jam pad. Jam pad? I'm the fucking hippo guy. Dave, okay. My name's Gary. <laughs> My name's Gary. Wait. Is it for fun? And this is not going to become the Tiggly Podcast. Okay. This is like anarchy. On a five-part coefficient. <laughs> My room's a Now hit him with the puppy. You both present sick arguments. <laughs> no sleep tell hippo. No sleep tell hippo. Uh, action part. Hi, Gary. No. Nicely done, my friend. No. No. Rhoda. Rhoda in the court. April 27th, 1896, year of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. Who died for you. Stop. Gareth. Stop it. That's too specific for this. Very specifically. I don't like the idea that he's specific. No, that's too much weight. I do not want that weight. Suck it up. That's one of the Jesus' famous sayings. Suck it up. Jesus. Remember, everyone, suck it up. Quit being pussies. Jesus, get over here. He, yeah, he came out pretty hard. Yeah, when he came out from the rock three days later and he was like stubbly and surly. Y'all don't even know anymore. <laughs> Wallace Hume Carruthers was born in Burlington, Iowa. Okay. As, as a young boy, he was very into tools and mechanical devices. That's a dangerous start of the recipe for a dollop. That's fine. (laughs) That's just little lines like that, Dave. When we first did this, I'd go, oh, okay, he's crafty. He works with his hands. Maybe he's in a workshop. Now I'm like, oh, man, this dude is going to cause some trouble. (laughs) He began experimenting. He and his friends formed a sort of engineering club with the headquarters in an old barn behind the Carruthers house. Sure. What a a great HQ. They wired things like they, they... Take something that didn't have uh, was battery powered and add wires. They they worked with coils. Sure. In school, he was super into chemistry. Oh, but this is dark. His father, knowing Wallace's interest in invention and exploration, pushed him to go to a local college to learn shorthand and bookkeeping. Right. So his father was like, "Boy, I've seen you real crafty. You're pretty good with electronics. You should write things down on cards." It's that should just, be what you do, boy. No, no, I'm trying to nurture your gift. No, no, I believe in you, son. Now, what's your favorite thing to do? I like to um, I like tinker with uh, electronics and just sort of chemistry stuff. You're going to be a library. librarian. 
No, Dad, I said I like to... You'd be you a see, librarian and you'll work with books. All the time that I've spent in the barn. And that'll just, be your life. I made a robot. Well, bring your little robot buddy to the library. Maybe he can help you stack the shelves of the return books and organize the pile of ones that are supposed to go out and keep an eye on the late fees, son. Why, you've got a skill set that's perfectly applicable for librarianship. Yeah, it's perfect. Is there something you wanted to say? No, I'm fine. It's Good, just... don't, because in a library, you're not going to be able to follow that impulse. Okay. So, shh. I hate you, Dad. Shh, 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 shh. Think, think it, boy. Remember what I always say? Think the things. His father happened to be uh, the vice president of the college that he was going to to learn shorthand and bookkeeping. Okay. The Capital City Commercial College. So that's where he goes. Uh, he goes there for, I think, a year. He finished in July 1915. And his dad uh, then made a deal with a Presbyterian minister to send Wallace to Tarkio College in Missouri, which was a Presbyterian college. Wow, great. Perfect. They yeah. love yeah. Yeah, that revel- like technology and things like that. That goes yeah. great there. Uh, so uh, the deal the dad made is that Wallace would go to the college, he would work part-time, and that would cover part of his tuition, and then he'd study English. That would be his major. Okay. Okay. A professor there said Wallace's father, quote, didn't really sense the possibilities of the field to which his son wanted to vote to devote himself. Mm-hmm. That seems, that's coming across, for sure. That is coming that's, across, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, well, he likes coils and wires and batteries. Chemistry. And yeah. Chemistry, and his father's like, come, uh, you can write things down, and then you'll go, go, be a, uh, go, go to a church. That'll be good for you. <laughs> Maybe you could come up with an electronic partition window, boy. Or a way to put out all the candles faster. Maybe you could make a robot candle putter outer. Author Matthew Herms said, quote, he was a pawn dominated by his father's efforts to curry favor with the Presbyterian churchman. Oh, that, I mean, that's the epitome of pawn. Yeah. Uh, so he, he's obviously very smart. Right away, the other students started calling him prof. Okay. His, roommate, well, his roommate is described as pessimistic, and Wallace was described as, quote, even more bleak. Wow. So the pessimist was like, Jesus Christ, man, chin up. Dude, lighten up a little bit. You're bumming me out. I, I'm like against everything, and you're kind of depressing me. It's just so, all so done. Still, the two of them would go out, and uh, they, they'd go out to the football field uh, at night where Wallace would sing songs while his roommate played the ukulele for hours. Wow, these two uh, were the negatives. <laughs> I don't even know why we're doing this anymore. This song's called Probably Not. Probably not. Mostly unlikely. We're not going to make it. Our damaged psyche. Do you know how hard it is to play a sad song on a ukulele? Oh, you are asking a lot of your euchre. You really are. <laughs> it still sounds kind of tropical. Well, I don't know what you want me to do. It's a little guitar that sounds like that. <sighs> Never mind. I don't even need you there. I'll just talk it out. So most of the students at the school were going to become ministers or missionaries. They go to chapel every day. When Wallace's dad came to visit, he discovered Wallace was smoking cigarettes, and he threatened to lower the partial payment he was giving for tuition unless he stopped. Okay. Wow. That's... 
a fellow. I mean, that this, uh, well, at this, I, I really guess I had no clue that cigarettes were at all frowned upon in that time because it was just sort of like, I, like everybody smoked and nobody knew it was bad. I think it's a religious thing. I can't think of any other reason. Right. It's got to be right. Yeah, that's the body. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I don't know if that they yell, that's the body, but... The yeah, sacrament! It's, it's something in that area. That's the sacrament, boy! <laughs> Good Lord! That's leprograss! A fellow student said of Wallace's father, quote, he appeared to me to be a character right out of a Dickens novel. He could that's have a good un- thing. He could have understudied Scrooge. Oh, that's a good... That, perfect. That's a perfect... That's a great dad. Who is it your dad best. reminds me of? Oh, yeah, the biggest prick who needs ghosts <laughs> to be cool. That guy. That's yeah. the guy. That's the guy. Well, it depends which Scrooge you're talking about. If you're talking about pre-ghost Marley Scrooge, then that's right. But if you're talking about Christmas morning, get a, you know, get a hen. That's a nice right. guy. Yeah, that's fair. He probably just was walking around like, who's got a hankering for pheasant then? I'm so changed. (laughs) Uh, Wallace couldn't stand to be in a room with with his father. Uh, This is what the the friend still quoting. Wallace couldn't stand to be in a room with his father. I can understand as Mr. C appeared mean-spirited, thin nose, close together, cold gray eyes. So he's just like, well, look at him. He's a fucking monster. But I like that we give him the Happy Days Fonzie treatment. Hey, Mr. C. <laughs> you know, he's like this big douchebag with like one, one gray uh, cycloped eye in the middle of his head. But you're still like, yo, Mr. C, can't you tell your son doesn't love you? Do you think anybody in their 20s has seen Happy Days or is it like, would be like us watching old black and white shows? Uh, probably not, honestly. Bet, probably uh, not, not even out of curiosity, I But bet. I only know, I, only, I mean, I only know Happy Days from, I mean, I know most shows that I know, like, that are old are from, from Nickelodeon. <laughs> so yeah, maybe. Yeah, right. Maybe. Like, that's just, yeah. That's, that's, while my parents argued, I just watched every episode of Taxi. Oh. Yeah. So his roommate graduated. His roommate was two years ahead, and his roommate graduated, and then the two of them snuck out to celebrate. And that is when Wallace had his very first drink. Here we go. Now you're American. <laughs> that would be something he enjoyed very much. Okay. So, okay. A former student, Arthur... Pardee and now ran the chemistry department, and Wallace fell in love with the tiny basement lab at the school. He finished his chemistry curriculum in his junior year, and Pardee left for another job, so the college had Wallace become the chemistry instructor when he was still a senior. Okay, that's quite an interesting move. So (laughs) he's... And I'm also going to be great. I'm going to be grading and teaching myself, too. Well, could you imagine you're in you're in a class? The guy next to you, you're like, "Hey, man, you want to study? Uh, we'll you know, study for the test tomorrow." I'm the teacher. I'm the and teacher. Then, of well, the then test. you go to the next class, and he's and he's like teaching it. Like that's literally yeah. what it would be like. Yeah, that's like when I told you, I told you one time when I was 11, my mother hired a 12 year old to babysit me, <laughs> and I was like, "This is absolutely insane." <laughs> Uh, He taught chem for two years and actually had to delay graduation a year because he was so busy teaching. Okay. So he graduates in 1920 at the age of 24. 
Now, at this time, American chemists are not really thought much of in America. Um, G- uh, German chemists dominated. This is before Pfizer. Oh, okay. You, That's it's right. Just, uh, g- right, right. Yeah, right. I remember reading about that. Yeah. Uh, German chemists, chemists have dominated everything, everything for a while, and American American chemists just a huge drop down. American chemists are ranked by which German professor they got their postdoc under in Europe. Okay, so it's not even okay. it's not even how good you were. It's like which German did you study under? Right, right. And so Americans depend on just German chemicals, aspirin, dye, like everything is a German based, right? But then World War II comes, and that's it. Breaks on Germany. Suddenly, American chemistry starts rising up. But at this point, when Wallace graduates, which is when it's rising up, uh, he's a guy with no money, and he's got uh, a degree from a little nothing college. Right. Okay. So Thanks, Dad. Yeah, so he goes to the University of Illinois to try to get a doctorate degree in chemistry. Okay. And the professor in charge of the program, he's like a hot shit guy that they got, so it's a really good program. Hi, I'm Doug Hotshit. How did you know his name? Oh, did I say it? Doug, Doug Hotshit? Hotshit, yeah. Yeah, yep. I said it, okay. I saw it, yep. Uh, so the university is trying to come up with this stuff to replace all the German stuff that's no longer on the market. So the university is literally <laughs> trying to make cash, and they, they, like, have, their, they have like all of their... Um, uh, Students getting their master's postgraduate, they're all like just trying to come up with stuff, and, the, and then the school is so, selling um, it and this, making cash. This, this pill, this is a weird pill, but this pill will make you understand what your sister is like. <laughs> what? This is a drug, this pill. Uh-huh. This pill, the goal of this pill is to make you understand your sister a little bit better. Just your sister? Um,. Well, once we get to clinical trials, we'll be very interested to see if it does anything to the brother. But again, that would uh, be purely a, a side effect or, or just a plus. This pill is intended to uh, understand your sister better. Yeah. So just the, just the, just no other women and just one. What if you have two well, sisters? They would help you with both of them. But our worry is that it's going to split your understanding. Mm-hmm. So. But again, that's why we're interested in getting to clinical trials, because then we can really understand, do you split your understanding betwixt your sisters, or do you maybe just want to under, understand one sister a lot better uh, than the other? So here, here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking you should get to that after. Right now, we think you should just work on getting the right sort of dye uh, for coats is what we're hoping for. The sister stuff's great. Let's just work on it later. I don't see. A, I just. I guess I don't see a huge connection between the the, the color dye and how the, this pill would. Uh, d- maybe this helps. This would be a purple pill. Is that? Yeah, what that actually doesn't. Uh, that doesn't help at all. This Plus, pill's purple, and it's going to give you a uh, level of understanding your sister that you've not had. Before you took the pill, maybe I'm not explaining it right. right no, but, no, I got it. I just, okay. I just don't. I, I don't think anybody needs that or wants. You it would take five cares. in the morning, five at lunch, <laughs> and then five at night, and then you'd have to wake up in the night and take ten. Okay, yeah, I just think we should stick to like dyes for the clothing. Sure, yeah, of course, yeah. Why don't we just stick to dye colors? Because uh, 
Who wants to understand their sister, right? Just let them be these complicated beasts that we'll never really understand or empathize with, right? Keep them distant. Make it so that, you know, by the, by the time your sister's 18 years old, you have nothing to talk about. Is that the goal of this institution? Is that the goal of this country? Because the last time I checked, this was a nation founded upon sisters who are easier to understand. And that is, uh, that is as fundamental in the Constitution as it is your right to, to free freedom. I think I think everyone said what they need to say, and we should probably just end the meeting. I agree. I will go get to work on dies, and I will come back to you. Yep. Thank you. Uh, so, Wallace is the best student in the group. Uh, he's very talkative. He's very witty. He's bright. He's quick. Erms, quote, but he would appear at Marvel's laboratory at night and sit off to the side looking straight ahead, quiet and mute. Did I not mention that the guy who uh, runs this, his, the lab is named Marvel? <laughs> his name is Marvel. Okay, so you're in Marvel's lab? Yeah. Is that where the X-Men came from? <laughs> That's right. That's what this story is. Oh, thank God, Finally. Some Marvel stuff for once. Yeah, oh God, we've been so starved. Finally, yeah. Party was now the chairman of the chem department at University of uh, Dakota, and so he offered Wallace a faculty position. Okay. Uh, He took it after he got his master's in chem from Illinois. Uh, But he goes to South Dakota. He's not a great teacher. Wallace is not. This is not what he should be doing. Party called him, quote, not brilliant, and neither was he interested in people. Okay, well, good. Those are great. That makes for a really good hire. <laughs> and by this time, Wallace is a heavy drinker. Okay, uh, so great. he I does. Was waiting re- for that to come back. Yeah, he does research, and he has an article published in the Journal of American Chemical Society. But after a year, he leaves South Dakota. He goes back to Illinois to get his doctorate. While he's on campus one day, an old friend from his home hometown ran into him on campus. Quote. I ran into this man with his felt hat all pushed up into a chocolate drop, soiled and dusty clothes, and what looked like a week's growth of whiskers on his face. Wait, I, who, what, what, what is with this guy? It's a woman. She, she, this is, she runs into Wallace. This is and her this description. Is, and her description is that he had a what? Oh, he had a chocolate drop, soiled his hat. That's what I... That was like a shape of a hat, I think is what she's saying. It looks chocolate like a chocolate drop? drop. Yeah, I mean, she actually technically called it a chalk drop, so to make it less confusing, I called it chalk. You helped, but it's still very confusing. <laughs> a chalk drop hat. Yeah. Okay, so he's walking around like a little chocolate man. And dusty clothes and what looked like a week's growth of whiskers on his face. I never saw... I'm an unemployed a- cookie! <laughs> <laughs> I never saw a railroad vagrant look more pathetic. And then I finally recognized Wallace. I spoke to him, and Wallace started gasping, opening and closing his mouth. I thought he was having a heart attack. He kept, he kept gasping, and the companion with him supported him. I jabbered on as if I didn't notice. So, a couple of things. He could be having some sort of mental snap, but he's, he's drunk. He's shit-faced. Okay. That okay. was my... So he's um, just, he's my, just liquored up, and he's like... I'm, <sighs> Uh, yeah, uh, you, oh, you've oh. been, uh, 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 you, uh, you 
Yeah. Oh. And she's just like, oh. yeah. and then the other day, I also found a new umbrella, but that's not like my other one. My other one was different. And in her head, she's like, I'm very concerned about this man who's gasping like a tadpole. Yeah, he's probably on like a weak bender. Like, it's, right. this is like a, right. yeah. Right, he's uh, got whiskey stubble. So she, they connected, and then he, he got invited to her house for dinner a week later. Course, and showed up all see, cleaned up. Okay. And he's all normal and never says a word about it. Maybe because he didn't remember it, but yeah. Right. Yeah, he's probably no. like, why is she inviting me over? Good, that's out of the blue, isn't it? <laughs> so in the lab, he was assigned to study salt co-catalysts. And mm. he received the Carr Fellowship, which was a huge award at the university. But he was pretty overall the schooling now. He'd been doing it for a while, and he called it a form of slavery. Jesus Christ. <laughs> let's, let's relax, it's a, Whitey. a bit dramatic. Also, it's your choice yeah. to be in school, so it yes. doesn't really... Let, let's, how about this? Let's, let, let's, maybe just put a, let's put a kibosh on comparing things to slavery as a white. Yeah. I think so. let's just, for, and that is for the history of time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, could anything be worse than this? <laughs> he said the academic requirements were like, quote, all the elements of adventure and enterprise which a nut screwer in a Ford factory must feel in setting out for work each morning. Oh, good Lord. Well, he's certainly... <laughs> okay. He wrote home that the school would give him his doctorate if he made it through the three years and, quote, show intelligence slightly above that of the pathologically subnormal. Wow. Okay. So he is, I mean, his pessimistic roommate was right. (laughs) This man is negative. Uh, He's also really broke. He's poor. He's got no money. He gets into billiards, uh, Trying to make a little scratch. Uh, he just starts drinking, co- hanging out and drinking coffee in the afternoon. Okay. But even with all this, he's still coming c- to conclusions in the lab, and he's doing work that showed his mind was seeing what other more experienced chemistry men were not seeing. Okay. So, all right. So he was made an assistant in the department, and he got his PhD. And then he stayed another two years working as an assistant. He and four other men... Uh, from the department, we get together once a week and drink beer and discuss and debate the issues of the day. Mm. And one of them said, at this point, is when Wallace started carrying cyanide pills in his pocket. Well, we've got a turn. <laughs> that's, a- <laughs> that's, that's quite a quirk. Uh-huh. That's, a, that's, that's some character development. It's definitely something you ask about if you're a friend. You check yeah. in. Hey, how those? How are your kill pills? They're fine. Don't worry about it. Okay, still in your pocket? Yeah, they're still there. I keep them real close. Okay, real close. just in case, huh? Yep, we just got to have them around. Right. You don't know. You don't know. Do you know? I don't know. You don't know. No, no. Nope. Keep them close. All right. Well, good to catch up. Yeah? Is that what this was? Still got four of them? Yeah, I got four. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, just trying to always keep tabs on those, just because, again, they are murder pills. <laughs> All right, buddy. Take care. Thank All you. Right. Sleep with your eyes open. So his friends and coworkers now every day would start checking on his mood in the morning, hoping he was up and happy instead of down and sad. Right. 
And then they start they started to try to make things better for him, trying to fix him, taking him on trips and trying to make him happy. One took him fishing in Wisconsin and he caught his first northern pike. Big Look stuff. at that, a northern pike, buddy, you fucking did it. No. <laughs> That's a huge fish. That's enormous. Aren't Blah. you happy? Blah. Why don't you why don't you take a take a hold hold it up hold it up next to your head? You know, it's some uh the tradition is give her a kiss. So why don't I'm you not. give her a look? No, no. Come on, what's the worst that could happen? You feel something? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Come on, guy. Kiss your fish. Take the pills out of your pocket. Ah, fuck. But he found it harder to go about the same routine each day. He had depression. Depression made it difficult to write, to research, and to experience. Yet through all of this, his reputation is growing, uh, and, and he's got this... Mind for chemistry, and everyone's starting to recognize him. Right. So Harvard tries to pry him away in 1926, and he finally took an instructor position making $2,250 a year. For the summer, he went and hung out in Paris with other chemists, and then he went back to Harvard. And while he was at Harvard, DuPont started reaching out to him. Oh, good. Good, good, good. He's now 31 years old. Um, since 1918, DuPont had been spending the profits it made from being a World War I profiteer to try to rehabilitate itself as a more diverse, people-friendly chemicals company. Uh-huh. Sure. There you go. And, uh, and Dave, dare we say the second American dream was born? Yes. I mean, DuPont went from being this awesome war profiteer to this wonderful company that has killed yeah. and damaged so many people. Well, I also think that it's amazing, like, right now, because the time we live in where it's, like, you know, it's just so many lives are being completely fucked with, and these companies keep either saying, like, like it's Wells Fargo, it's basically Wells Fargo being, like, we also hand out food every other Friday. And you're like, yeah, <laughs> yes. you've, you know, go fuck yourself. Like, thank you for the food drive, you fucking prick. But the amount of damage you've done, you know... Yeah. Or it's when the huge companies are like, help, help out people. Help donate some money. And it's like, we, yeah. you, 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 you do it. Yeah. You do it. Yeah. Round up. The, I've gotten the round up thing at the stores. Would you like to round oh, up? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I've gotten the round By the way, it says a lot that when you say, have you gotten the round up thing at the stores, I'm thinking chemicals. <laughs> DuPont, are, Roundup's not DuPont, is it? Uh, no, that's uh, no. your other favorite, Monsa- Monsanto. Oh, that's Monsanto. Okay, Monsanto is that what it is? Uh, yeah, Monsanto. Uh, great, great, great company too. And so, in 1918, they start trying to rehabilitate the company, and uh, Dupont starts making rayon, cellophane, and cellulite, like stuff that people will enjoy that they can, mm-hmm. it can help their lives. But in 1926, DuPont started to build its own team of research scientists. AT&T General Electric had, Electric had already done this with their own research labs, and they came up with long-distance voice transmissions and the wire light bulb. So DuPont's like, we want that kind of thing, right? A little in-house lab place. Sure. DuPont said they were looking for, quote, fundamental research, not just to create new products, but to understand the science behind them. Okay. Sure. Hmm. Which makes sense, because if you understand the science behind it, you can make other stuff, right? It's a whole... So organic chemistry was a huge part of it, and after searching for nine months, they thought Wallace was the guy to lead the the department. Okay. 
So at first, Wallace turned DuPont down. So the company offered him 20% more in salary. That'll do it. And he's now worried that he can't, that he, he just wouldn't be able to adjust to a company after working in a, a, academia for so long. Right. He, he told them, quote, I suffer from neurotic spells of diminished capacity, which might constitute a much more serious handicap there than here. Well, I think <laughs> I speak for all of us when I say, welcome aboard. <laughs> You're hired, okay? I go through uh, periods of madness. Let me ask you this. Do you want to do that in a corner office overlooking the river? (laughs) All windows? That's the kind of stuff we're looking for here, okay? Well, that's right. DuPont doesn't care. And uh, they keep pursuing him, and in February 1928, he takes the job. Uh, He gets there... Right away, he's just super into it. He rides his bike through an apple orchard to work every day. Oh, you see, like that apple orchard, huh? <laughs> We're planning on ruining that soon. <laughs> That's exciting, isn't it? We're going to gas it. Yeah. <laughs> Quote, nobody asks any questions as to how I'm spending my time or what my plans are. Apparently, it is all up to me. Wow. Yeah, so, so he's a bot. like Google. Right. Yeah, he's a boss for the first time. He's like, this is amazing. Do you understand that I'm allowed to tell people to do things on my behalf? (laughs) So he starts uh, working on polymers. Uh, So Financial Times, quote, polymers are long chains of large molecules and one of the key building blocks of life. Wood is a polymer, silk is a polymer, protein is a polymer, DNA is a polymer. So Wallace worked on proving polymers were made of large macromolecules held together, held together by normal molecular bonds. And he does this for two years. He was laying the basis for what would become modern polymer science. And then in April 1930, one of his assistants, Arnold Collins, he made something in a tube, and then he just left it on a bench for a week. And then he came back to him, and he's like, oh, what's that thing that I left there? Uh, and it, he had made synthetic rubber. How many? There are so many of those. There are so many things where someone just was like, ah, fuck it. And then a week later, we're like, wait a minute, I did it. Like, <laughs> the, I, think, I think in order to discover things, you have to quit and just leave it for a while. And then you come back and you're like, oh, it, it is eating it. Uh, uh. So obviously this is huge. Uh, yeah, about okay. 10 days later, about 10 days later, while he was working on making bigger molecules, Wallace created a molecular still to draw water off of the synthetic rubber. And this led to him creating what he called a, quote, festoon of fibers with high molecular weights. Basically, a very light, strong material. Okay. Rubber. Well, now you're going past rubber, right? Because rubber is Oh, you've heavier. gone beyond rubber. Okay. This is like stringy. And, okay, so... Okay. Now, he's at this point where European chemists are coming to Tor's lab to see what he's doing. And Wallace has an affair with a married woman. Okay. So he's killing He's single himself, ends. right? Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, he's single. Yeah, yeah. He's making rubber. He's wearing rubbers. Let's do this. He got into squash. Squash. Sorry, say that again. He got into squash. squash the sport? Yeah. Okay. Got into squash, which he played, quote, violently. Sure. Okay. Seems. So I mean, I, don't I guess know what, kind of picture of. I can picture it. I can picture it. It's. it's I don't. Wait, it's I don't even person, know what squash is. 
What is what happens uh, squ- in squash? It's ba- basically racquetball with just uh, a different kind of uh, like a, a less bouncy uh, ball. I mean, actually, okay. is okay. this the story of how he invented racquetball? That's what it could be. Um, <laughs> but uh, but it's like you know, it's also like when you think about it, like I mean, whenever I mean, if you play like racquetball or squash, like it is very, you know, it's a limited court. So in order, if you're right. going to be violent and crazy, like you need to be like rec specs, like you know, knee high socks, just like elbow pads yeah. on, you know, mouth guard, just running back and forth. Like this should have been in. Uh, so when he went to parties, he would bring wooden blocks so he could explain molecules to people. Hey, uh, hey, hey! I noticed you brought your blocks again. Um, there's a lot of hey, there's a lot of girls here tonight, man. Do you want to just maybe? Uh, don't touch my no fuck blocks. N- no, I'm Don't not, touch I'm my no fuck blocks. The, the name, the name. I won't touch them. The name. They're molecules. I understand they're molecules, but do you understand this is a, this is more of a party? You know, we'll have some drinks like you like uh, we'll have a couple of drinks. I have a lot. Of, I've had a lot of drinks. I have more. I'm gonna have more. Okay, just, great attitude. But um, so maybe just you know leave. Why don't we do this? Why don't we put the blocks in the car, uh-huh. and then if anyone asks about them, we'll go get them. Or I, I think could... you. I think you invented the world first clock cock block, my man. <laughs> okay, that's what I think you did. I I don't want to be. I don't. There are no fuck blocks. No one fucks me if I have the blocks. All right, bring the blocks in. Just don't call them that deal. Okay, they're molecules. Better, it's... closer. Let me introduce you to the girls. Hey, ladies. Meet uh my buddy Wall. Meet some my buddy in his wood. Don't touch my blocks! All right. Hey. <laughs> Someone flip this record. <laughs> it's going real good, bud. Uh, as always, his mental issues were there. He wrote a friend that he was feeling, quote, feeble, smelly, and cockroach-like. Oh, my God. Just That's why, nice. I don't know. At any rate, I uh. go through at least a dozen violent storms of despair every day. That, that I, he may have just fully described depression in a way that has not been done before. Will, yeah. what, will you read that again? Dirty. Sure. I feel uh, feeble, smelly, and cockroach-like. Feeble, smelly, and cockroach-like. Uh, I go through at least a dozen violent storms of despair a day. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, he I'm moved into a house. That's right. He moved into a house uh, with three other DuPont chemists. And it became nicknamed Whiskey Acres. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> okay. Uh, we're experimenting with some chemicals in the house as well. <laughs> His roommates were active, but he didn't take part. Quote, I'm living out in the country now with three other bachelors, and they being socially inclined have all gone out in tall hats and white ties, while I, after my ancient custom, sit sullenly at home. Can't put on a top hat and a white tie, too? He could do that and just sit at home. I've done that. Yeah, I know. Then you just sit in a chair and you just go, now what? At this point, he showed one of his roommates that he had a capsule of cyanide on his watch chain. Oh, my God. Jesus Christ. Got the time. (laughs) (laughs) Sort of. With the Great Depression happening, DuPont started pushing him to work on stuff that would make money. 
and uh, the depression caused his, his the college his father worked at to close. So his parents came to live with him. Okay, sure. Wallace was not thrilled. Quote, I not only don't have any affection for my father, but I find it exasperating and sometimes sickening merely to be in his presence. Well, this ought to help everything. I get that. I get that. Yeah, you get that completely. (laughs) You know, it's kind of sickening to be in your presence. Uh, He ended the affair with the married woman, mostly under pressure from coworkers and his parents and friends. And this is despite... So so everybody. Everybody. But she was getting a divorce the whole time. So it's like... So that could be a girlfriend. Yeah, but it's at a different time where she's still technically married, so you're not supposed to, you know, but... uh, It had been the best relationship of his life, and he really started hitting the bottle. His parents moved out. Besides him hating his father, tension had built because of the affair, uh, so they left and went back to Des Moines in early 1934. Okay. Now, around this time, DuPont pushed him to look at fibers again. And so he, he went for it, and he got his assistants all on the job. But this is exactly when his mental health issues overcame him. A coworker quote, It was rather strange. You would, ha- you would be having a normal conversation back and forth, and then suddenly he would become silent and have a blank look on his face, looking at me and not moving, not saying a word, no facial expression. The mm-hmm. first time it happened, it upset me. I thought he had had a heart attack. Okay, so this guy also doesn't belong. Like, it's a heart attack. <laughs> yeah, usually if someone just goes kind of uh, comatose staring at me, I think, heart attack! Hurry, somebody pump his chest, quick. Get oxygen into it. Yeah, you can't pause around this guy. <laughs> oh, my but God, also, another heart attack. Also, I mean, you know, he, he also, he, he, he has been... He definitely was seeing a psychiatrist at the University of Illinois. So he's also, for a while, he was getting help. Help, right. I I don't know if he is now, but he clearly has like a legitimate, really bad mental health issues. So over the next three years, Wallace went through a series of mental collapses and recoveries. Uh, In the lab, uh, the work continued, and soon they came up with nylon. In February wow. 1935, so that stuff that they that stringy yeah. stuff it, it yeah. leads it nylon? leads to it leads to nylon. <laughs> wow! Um, it was obviously it was super strong by weight. Uh, the nylon project was then taken over by another chemist, another chemist, and they sent Wallace to a Faraday Society meeting in Cambridge. Okay. So everyone knows what's going on with them. Uh, now they're just sending him places, and he comes back after that, and he he starts having an affair with a secretary, Dupont Helen. When you when you say that 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 they sent him, they they were basically sending him away to to try to make him feel happy. Is that what you're saying? A little bit of that, but also to get him out of the lab situation. I think it's not right. great to have that there. But then also he he did feel better when he went. Outdoor hikes and outdoor walks. So I think sure. they're just trying to... Shocking, yeah. Yeah. Uh, his friends thought his new, uh, his new lady was too young and not worldly enough. So they're like, she's beneath you. And she's okay. young. You're and damn like, right she is. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. 
Yeah, but he's also he's also right. Yeah, she's young. What I don't understand what the point is. Yeah. Uh, so he's super into her, or not? Maybe not that, but not as much as his previous girlfriend. So they got married in February 1936, and a couple of months later, he had the his worst attack. He was hospitalized in Philadelphia for two months. And during this time, he sent a letter to a friend, and it was in big, loopy letters that were one inch high. Mm. He said his his treatment was, quote, conversation, rambling, inconsequential, pointless, and sometimes so repetitious and puerile puerile, as to be the source of laughter, amazement, or anger. Mm. So, two months of that. So, it's going well? Yeah, yeah. No, that's what I meant. It's going really great. Hold on. I'm going to write bigger letters. Two inch. uh, Two-inch letters. Jesus Christ. They're back in the truck up. He wrote a letter. Well, clearly they were giving him drugs, right? I would imagine that's just him hopped up on shit. Or, 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 I mean, yeah, maybe. Or you are just like, I don't care. (laughs) Like you're at that point, you know? So when he got out, he took a trip to the Alps to hike. Like I said, outdoor hikes helped him. And he returned to DuPont after that. But now he was sort of petrified and worried he would never come up with another good idea. And he was moving back and forth between his house with Helen, a room in his old house, and the hospital. So he just kept sort of... Then Then in January 1937, his sister Isabel died of a heart condition, and he was devastated. Three months later, Helen tells him she's pregnant, and so on April 28th, 1937, Wallace drove to Philadelphia, checked into a hotel, and took the cyanide. Oh, no. He was 41. His daughter was born seven months later. But what he had created was just beginning. DuPont began building a plant to make nylon. He, he died. He's dead. Okay. Uh, DuPont is now making a plant to build nylon, and rumors are swirling in America that there's this new, amazing, magical fiber coming. You could put it on your legs. (laughs) Uh, DuPont stayed quiet until the nylon patent was issued in September 1938. Smart. You're not going to find a lot of big companies shouting from rooftops until they got the patent. (laughs) In October uh, 1938... 3,000 women were at a seminar called We Enter the World of Tomorrow. Yep, I run which, that. Which was basically an annual meeting they had where they all discussed the problems of the world. Oh, my God. And that's where a DuPont representative showed up and made the announcement about nylon. Women, listen, I understand you're trying to figure out your place in the world. However, I want to interrupt that with a very important discovery. Do you find that your legs get cold <laughs> and that it's just your bare legs? A lot of blank faces. No, we want equality. That's what we're saying. But this is for your legs and butt. And that's pretty cool. Look at that. Runs right up there. Looks a little darker. <laughs> so that's good. And then your underwear's in there, too, I think. Pretty sure. So, any questions? Let's, I'm not taking them now. I don't know why I left a pause. Any questions? You know, swallow them was what I was going to say. Um, okay. Guys, I feel like I really interrupted something here. <laughs> I didn't mean to kill the momentum, but we just have this stuff here. Look at that. We, we okay. were talking about the rise of Hitler. 
Well, uh, I think that's applicable to what I'm talking about, too. I'll tell you one thing, that uh, Hitler probably wouldn't have risen to the level that he did if uh, Ada had worn a set of these. Just uh, very simple, very simple style. And I just, and again, I don't know much, I'm not a big, I'm not a big history guy, but uh, I would imagine that uh, Adolf Hitler, I believe it was, would have uh, completely changed a lot of his theories and, and thoughts and, 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 and stuff if he had just noticed uh, these sweet, uh, these sweet nylons, right? Can anyone have these cookies or are these just for you girls? <laughs> They're not for men. These are non-men cookies? Okay. Okay. Well, I'm going to leave a big stack of these here. Maybe one of you guys could organize them a little better. They seem a little cluttered to me. And, um, yeah, I'll be outside if anyone has any questions. Okay. (laughs) Don't clap (laughs) because you weren't. (laughs) I would have loved you too, but you, you, you haven't. All right. Thank you so much, girls. Late women. Non-men. Or Sorry. Others. That's better. Others. Thank you. Excuse me. Excuse me so much. So this is what he said. Quote, a brand new textile fiber was coming on the market. It can be fashioned into filaments as strong as steel, as fine as a spider's web. And he broke down that they were going to be, you know, replace stockings, and the 3,000 women there burst into wild applause. And I don't mean to sound like an idiot, but this is really the reason why is because stockings are just so much more annoying. Like they're just heavier fabric. They're made out of silk. They are much more of a pain in the ass. They shrink if you wash them. They like it's just all they tear easily. It's a whole thing. Uh, Now, what you were describing before is pantyhose. These aren't pantyhose. These just come up to the top of the thigh. Oh, right. Oh, that was right. my first thought, too. But, yeah, that's all they are. Um, oh. So nylon stockings were one of the biggest exhibits at the World's Fair in 1939, <laughs> along, with, that's along with television and electro, the mechanical man. Uh, Dave, all <laughs> I want to talk about is electro, the electronic man. Okay, I can give you a little bit on electro. Yeah, me, yes. Electro is made by Westinghouse, uh, seven oh, feet tall, wow. human shape, right? It's got a body and arms and legs. I'm um, your neighbor. I am can, your neighbor. Could move his arms and legs. I am um, your neighbor. I can move like your neighbor. He was able to walk by voice command. Tell me where to walk. I like your neighbor. He could speak 700 words, and he used a record player to do that. So he had a record player inside of him. I'm your neighbor. Let me say more. (laughs) Hello, it's me, your neighbor, from earlier before. I am your neighbor, the one from next door. Electro also smoked cigarettes, blew up balloons, and had eyes that flashed red and green. (laughs) I'm I'm quitting the show. (laughs) (laughs) He can smoke cigarettes. Of course he can smoke cigarettes. Yeah. What else? All right, yeah, so if you, yeah, the clergy, you can't smoke cigarettes, but Electro, the electronic robot human, <laughs> he could smoke cigarettes. All right, so he smokes cigarettes, he's got weird eyes, and he has a record inside his belly. Honestly, That's he right. sounds a little bit like a smoking Teletubby. He's, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, he. Let me let me pull up a picture. You'll. Oh. Here we go. This says Electro the Smoking Robot. There he is. <laughs> oh, wow. I mean, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty crazy, right? I mean, yeah, for, it's huge for that time period. Oh, here. What's going to be great is when the robots eventually take off, like take over, and they're going to reanimate him, and he'll be. Oh uh, no. What? This is him. What There's are you a doing? Of him smoking. I can smoke. How great of a feature is that? I mean, I, I should smoke. probably. I should probably put this as a picture on the on the uh, episode. Episode, so it's just very confusing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? So he's like, I inhale. I'm not a pussy robot. <laughs> wow, he really is smoking. Uh, yeah, he really is. Did they ever make a robot doctor who was like, "You must quit, Electro." So Next year at the World's Fair, Electro's doctor. His lung capacity isn't what it used to be. Shut up, doctor. I need one after a hard day of work. I love they invented a robot. They're like, what should we have him do? Uh, what about smoke, Bob? Perfect. That's the best answer we're ever going to get. So let's move ahead with that plan. <laughs> uh, so in March, sample nylon stockings were sold to DuPont employees. And then a small amount to the public in Wilmington, where the plant was. That's so nice of went, DuPont to people sell went it fucking to their nuts. employees. The they ladies went them. nuts. They lose their minds. Okay. They sold out in three hours in Wilmington. And on December 5th, 1939, mass production began. Nylons were put on sale on May 15th, 1940, which was called End Day. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. Yep. <laughs> it's that important. <laughs> well, so many people are talking about it that they stopped calling it Nylon Day and just started calling it End Day. Of course, right, right. Uh, they were a buck fifteen a pair, which is about 20, 21 bucks today. Wow. In uh, Decatur, Illinois, nylons were put on sale without warning at Stewart's Dry Goods. Quote: The news flew to beauty parlors, business offices, and housewives in rapid succession, and buyers arrived with curlers in their hair and cream on their faces to be among the first to get a pair. <laughs> wow. It's Most, so strange. It's just so strange. Isn't it's so, it? Yeah, it's nuts. I mean, you understand why, but it's also, it's just another one of those pockets of things that I've never, I mean, I just never really thought about. Right. We've never had any experience. Ship. We've no. never had any experience. We've taken them off. That's about it. Yeah. Whoa. The wink yeah. is weird. Yeah. Most stores in the U.S. sold out by noon. In Pueblo, Colorado, police shut down a department store after... They determined the crowd of 700 women was unmanageable. So basically it was like leg masks. Leg masks? Yeah. I mean... finding masks now, and you're like, they have 995. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, The women had crushed counters and turned over other counters as they tried to get the nylons. Yeah, they ran through here like a bunch of counter locusts. (laughs) They hurt clerks as they rushed to buy nylons. In Houston's uh, McCroy's store, it had to be shut down after 1,500 women rushed in, causing total mayhem. Yeah, they, they came through here pretty quick. They, uh, they killed two of my stock boys. They killed my cashier. They took all the nylons, obviously, and most of the other things. Pretty much the store now is just me, my dog, and this husk. Husk of a department husk? store. Yeah. This used to have shelves. Uh, all four million pairs of nylons in the U.S. sold out in two days. 
Oh my god! Uh, but it's crazy that Wallace. I, it's upsetting because you do wonder if like this would have given that guy maybe more meaning or purpose or something. You know? I don't know. I mean, I just think that his. I think Probably it was beyond not. that. I think it, yeah. he he had a. a it, it sounds like a chemical genetic yeah. predisposition to to. Yes. Uh, depression. depression. Yeah. So, but as fast as nylons had come to America, they vanished because the U.S. entered World War entered World War II, mm. and the material, which was this very very strong light material, was now only permitted to be used in manufacturing of parachutes, tire cords, ropes, aircraft fuel tanks, shoelaces, mosquito netting, and hammocks. Okay. Wow. Okay. So nylon, nylon uh, stockings are gone. Man. Nylon ended up being essential to the war effort, and it has been called the fiber that won the war. Also, at the same time, most I, silk... Uh, Dave, personally, I like to believe that fiber was American grit. <laughs> okay, that's fair. I'm going to say that it wasn't the soldiers, and it was just uh, this... Uh, nylon... nylon sto- actual nylon stockings, I think, was the yeah. thing. Not even the rope yeah. or the... Nope, not, not cordage or anything, or the hammock. That's right. So also, silk is not happening, because silk comes from uh, Asia. Uh, mostly Japan is where we got it, so that's out, because they don't like okay, us. right, yep. Women still wanted the look, and the market responded with liquid stockings. Oh, uh, what? Liquid stockings? <laughs> what? <laughs> so you'd buy it in a bottle, and then you would paint on... Your legs, God, uh, foundations. <laughs> so it's created a worse problem. This this is like when my grandmother quit smoking and started chewing nicotine gum, and then got addicted uh, to the gum and started smoking again. Yeah, like, I mean, what, we've done nothing. There's no good that's coming out of this. Like, so now now women are just forced to paint their legs. Well, they are. They're all painting their legs. Some even started <laughs> using eyeliner to create a seam down the back, so it would look like they were wearing nylons. What a pain. And someone made a device out of bicycle foot clips, a screwdriver as a handle, and then they'd put the eyebrow pencil rigged in the middle to apply seams straight down your legs. Dave, it sounds like we had a Lady MacGyver. (laughs) Yes, there was definitely a Lady MacGyver. Leg makeup pop-up bars. Yeah. Started appearing. All right, just... Just pedal now, pedal. <laughs> Leg makeup bars popped what? up in department stores. So you could go to a department store and there's an area where you can get your legs painted. I just, I can't, I can't, <laughs> I cannot. <laughs> Nylons also became huge on the black market. Uh, women were paying up to $20 a pair, which would be about 370 today. Oh my God. We, Dave, what, nothing changes. Criminals started breaking into houses to steal this nylons. That's crazy. What? Criminals. They were like, we, we need something to put on our head. So we're going to break <laughs> in, then get something to put on our head to rob places with. In one hall in Louisiana, 18 pairs were stolen from a home. Well, that person was just showing them off. I mean, yeah. that, you deserve to get robbed if you have 36 nylons laying around. No, that was, a ri- that was a Richie, so I'm fine with yeah. that. Uh, after the war ended, it was announced on August 21st, 1945, that nylons would soon be available for purchase again. Oh, my God. They wanted them to be on sale for Christmas, 
It was announced in movie theaters during the news broadcast up front, and women broke into applause everywhere. What do you have in your stocking? Stockings! (laughs) (laughs) The public opinion, quote, that's a newspaper, uh, quote, men do not realize how serious womankind takes nylons. A recent questionnaire showed that women are more eager to get them than electric refrigerators, radio sets, and household gadgets. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh Uh-huh. That's a nice slice of the time. Men started to realize exactly how serious womankind uh, took nylons when (laughs) 12,000 pairs were put on sale on August 17, 1945 in San Leandro, California. The supply was uh, from before the war, so this whoever owned this, it was a mill, it was called a mill, whoever owned it had just a bunch that they couldn't sell because the war started, but they held on to them. So now they put them on sale, and women fucking stormed the place, and police had to be called to restore order. Wow. In February 1946, the Wisconsin State Journal wrote an article imploring women women to stop being mean to clerks working at stores who were saying there were no nylons. Wow. Quote, frustrated nylon hunters drive some tearful sales girls to quit. The scientists who developed nylon for milady's legs have inadvertently created more ill will between merchant and customer than any single merchandising development since the invention of the bill collector. <laughs> the bill collector. So all of these, <laughs> so it's just all of these intense, women, intense. Well, all of these women have heard that nylon's going back on sale. What? Uh, a long time before, they're still not on sale uh, six months later or whatever. And so they're, dem- they're going to stores demanding it, and the clerks are being right. like, I don't have it. And then they're yelling at the clerks until they cry. Right, right, right. Um, the manager of Ma- Madison's department store, quote, two of my clerks came up to me the other day and said they were quitting. They couldn't even take more of that kind of talk from customers. I tell you, I knew the average American... I never knew the average American could be so selfish. And Dave, what's cool is, think about it, we're now a hundred times more selfish. (laughs) I know, totally. And that's awesome. Yeah. Women were caught going behind counters to try to find the nylons they thought stores were hiding. Look, all I want is what I came for. I know it's back here. Quit lying to me. I can see the sales girls lying. Look into her fibbing little eyes. And then, look, and then, just look, just give me the nylon and I'll get the fuck out of here. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what the big deal is. You have some, I need some. Let's not bullshit anymore. I will literally bite through your throat if I don't get my nylons. Store operator, store telephone operators were constantly being screamed at by people calling and them telling them they didn't have any nylons. Don't call me the C word. Goodbye. Hello, Madison's. That's right, we do not have any. No, I will not. My family loves me very much. Goodbye. Hello, Madisons. Please stop screaming, ma'am. We don't have any nylons. I'm being completely honest with you. If you throw a brick through the window, that will be a police problem. Thank you. Goodbye. (laughs) When stores put them on sale, some set up what looked like horse race starting gates to manage the crowd. All right, women, to us, you're equine. (laughs) 
Understand? Now get in your stable, eat your carrots, and when we open your gate, you may rush in like the beast you are. Oh, God. It's just so crazy. While in no. some places there were enough nylons to go around, other cities didn't have enough. In Pittsburgh, nylons went on sale on June 12, 1946. East Liberty Hosiery Shop was the only store selling them. And their ad said they had 10,000 pairs for sale for, quote, working girls only. Hmm. The Pittsburgh Press described what happened as a nylon mob. Mm-hmm. Quote, mm-hmm. the wearers were survivors of one of the most fantastic lines in history, a swirling, shrieking mass of women that last night stretched five abroad for more than a mile. The line stretched 16 blocks, and they came from oh. all over Pittsburgh <laughs> wow. to get them. Wow. The police estimated there were 40,000 women at the peak. And so the store- what are you doing? They have 10,000. <laughs> what? Well, they, if, they have ten, if they've said they have yeah. 10,000 and you're in a 40,000-person line. There, there's not enough. You, you gotta, like, if you're at the back of the line, you're like, ah, well, whatever, we got here late. The store was only 15 by 30 feet. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So they're a food truck. Uh, I mean, mean, really, like how this store is extremely tiny for for a 40,000 person line. They only had six clerks. Uh, uh, (laughs) They have 10,000 pairs. Over a dozen women fainted and had to be helped. That's, if someone in front of you faints, you're like, perfect. Yeah, beautiful. The small store opened up at 4 p.m. and was, at, was uh, kept selling until midnight. It was originally supposed to not open until 6, but police got worried and asked them to open early. Yeah, hey, we're real sorry. Can, uh, can you guys open at 4 today? <laughs> Is that crazy if you'd open a little early for your work day at 4 p.m.? Is that okay love- with the staff? I love that it's a nighttime hosiery shop. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, the hours are complete. Like, it's like, it may as well be like a warlock shop. What time do you open? 6 p.m. When do you close? Whenever it's sunny. Oh, okay, that's a little weird. Like, who? who uh. <laughs> well, we got to go in early to work. Really? Yeah, that's why I'm up early. We got to open at 4 p.m. What? <laughs> 4 p.m.? Good Lord. That's very early. Uh, quote, a good old-fashioned hair-pulling, face-scratching fight broke out in the line shortly before midnight. The police had to swarm in and restore order. I love that it's a good old-fashioned, you know, just the like, hey, hey good old-fashioned hair-pulling, scratching woman bout. <laughs> uh, that might have been because some women were trying to slip in uh, closer to the front of the line where they'd get sure. screamed at and attacked. The yelling uh, between women could be heard from blocks away. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh Press, quote, some of the language used would have shocked a Boston fish peddler. <laughs> well, okay, a couple things. One, to be fair, uh, I don't think you're going to shock anyone in Boston. Two, when you are talking, like, it is, it's the Pittsburgh crowd potentially a little bit uh, rawer than some of your other <laughs> crowds uh, yeah. with the language, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but I'm sure like the Boston, the, anyway, yeah, I mean. Men uh, gathered across the street and taunted the women, 
And women you're starting- not gonna you're not gonna get any pantyhose. You're way too far back in the line. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna need to keep painting your legs, ladies. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. <laughs> uh, the women swore back at the men. One man decided to mess with the women and walked up and announced there were no more nylons, just thirty gauge rayons. And the women went. <laughs> the women were furious and oh my raging. God. And the police had to move in and convince them the man had nothing to do with the store. <laughs> ladies, 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 calm down. Calm down, all right? This is Officer Doherty. Calm down, okay? That man was just a man who was a dick. <laughs> they still have pantyhose. The fact that you're waiting in this 40,000-person line still has logic to it. Yeah, he's just a regular dick. He's not a store dick. He's just a regular dick guy. Hey, I don't know if you guys heard, but those ain't even the police. They work for DuPont, and they're just trying to pretend to keep you in line, convincing you there's more pantyhose. He's right. That's my boy. He's right. He speaks for DuPont. As the women waited, rain started pouring down, but they still waited in line. Sure. One woman told the reporter, quote, if a man tries to get in this line, we'll kill him. Okay. (laughs) Sure. I don't think he's going to want to. I mean, what, what person, what, I mean, who gets at the end of the line like, I just got to get a scarf. Gosh, I really picked the wrong, picked the wrong day, huh? A 75-year-old woman made it to the front of the line and said, quote, the girls in line will tell you my elbows are as sharp as ever. Mm-hmm. So they were just okay. fucking, so I, mean, yeah, just, I mean, literally, if you look at the pictures and you can find the pictures online, it's, it's a mass of, of just, it's a massive crowd Covering the entire sidewalk of just women. It's crazy. I mean, there's some men in there, but it's, it's insane. Right. The store closed at midnight, and the line was still full of thousands of women uh, stretching blocks. Hey, maybe you should open at like, uh, I don't know, 10? <laughs> You're crazy? Uh, the women left in tears. There, may, there might have been some violence if it hadn't started pouring right when the store closed. After the crowd dispersed, a cop told the reporter, quote, I hope I never see another woman. <laughs> what? This, this, the, I mean, this man is not fit for duty. Uh, I'll tell you what I won't handle again is a, a woman. Uh, no. uh, I'm out. Uh, what, are you the Pittsburgh Press? I am a gay gentleman. Okay. And I don't want to see any more women. I only want to see men. All right. I'm not a reporter. I should point that out. And I would like to kiss you. Okay. Here we go. All right. That was good. Oh, I have a pair of nylons. I think we each just take a leg. We put them over our heads. We pretend like it's a robbery. And we do that at my house. Yeah. 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 yeah great. Yeah. Absolutely. Great. I just don't want the nylons to go to waste. No, no, I understand. I understand. And, and you great. say, and you say, this is a robbery, and then we just take it from there. This is a robbery. Yeah. No, we'll do it at the house when we get there. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Great. Great. Yep. yep. I can't believe my one fetish came together so quickly. Hmm. That was a big day. I didn't know I had one. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, these sort of situations played out in other cities. Windows were broken in D.C., uh, New York. Women were fighting in Georgia for whatever reason. Was the, Dave, was, did they call the National Guard in? 
<laughs> no, they didn't. But for whatever reason, these were called the mobs and riots and... Oh, right, because men saw women not behaving exactly as they wanted. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they Weird. just said, yeah. They say, right, right. Uh, I mean, you know. Interesting. All, all the shit dudes have done, and then they see a bunch of women lining up and trying to get nylons. So they're like, oh, riot! Yeah. I told you we can't give them stuff. Look at them. Now, let's go to war over something inconsequential forever. <laughs> but soon supply caught up with demand, and nylon stockings were the standard in women's hosiery up until 1959 when... Pantyhose arrived, so mm. those are the, those are the all the way up. That's uh, the all the way underwear uh, combo. Yeah. Yeah. Garter belts were gone by the 1980s. Uh, pantyhose were going out of style, and by the 90s, women started going with the natural look. And in 2006, the New York Times said the hosiery industry was quote an industry that lost its footing. So can we just for a second, or can I just fathom how long it took? I mean, okay, because initially women were not allowed to wear pants. Mm-hmm. You had to wear these, like, insane dress. So the, the lengths that <laughs> had to go through for women to be like, I'll just have my legs. And for us to be like, Whoa, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> It it's was not insane. It was not until the nineties and, and I maybe a little bit in the seventies, but I think really the nineties that uh yeah, when we're like, All right, you cannot wear stuff covering your legs, I guess. Right. Yeah. All right. I suppose it's time to see your actual body. A lot of what we know about Wallace Crothers' work is around only because two women in the DuPont archives ignored instructions to destroy his documents in the nineteen sixties. Wow. I assume they wanted to do because of his uh, mental health issues. There have been, you know, everyone's got tons of ideas of why. Yeah, everyone, every time someone's depressed or whatever, they always want to yeah. come up with the re- oh, this happened, and they, they blame it on the, the, the affair he had, or they worked him too hard at DuPont, or. Right. But he was obviously depressed since he was a kid, and yeah. sometimes it's a chemical thing that you're born with. It, it's totally. passed down from generation to generation, and yeah. you know it's it's just a well, thing. And and when you yeah. when you want to assign it to something, and you don't know the situation, you're just a fucking asshole. Like we don't know. It sounds like it was a condition, and this guy would have been greatly helped by the drugs that we have now. Uh, I always his, find that someone who's experiencing depression wants to hear your way to solve it. That's right. I always. Think that's always the have you top have you list. have you thought about going outside and just looking at birds? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, his, why don't you get married? So his daughter Jane, who was born after he died, and who his mother seven didn't, months right. His mother did not tell her anything really about him. Um, she found out stuff through friends, and but she had depression uh, growing up and for a long time, and she's better now due to medication. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know that that would the thing I would like to say about this is you know if you're depressed there's help and uh, um, even though things seem dark uh, it's always better to try to get that help and I know a lot of people also don't want to take the drugs that are available but my wife who's a psychiatrist always says uh, well if you had a broken arm would you just let the bone keep sticking out yes. You would want to put on a cast, and so maybe just look at the medicine as a cast, yeah, to help you heal. 
it, I, with any with anything mental, there is a resistance to taking drugs, and I completely yeah. understand. You know, you yeah, I, I, I get why people don't want to do it, but um, yeah, but also, I mean, this time, like, I can't imagine. I mean, it just is a very, very tough time. Yeah, very, very it's very time. hard, and I think ev- everybody's experiencing some for the most part, anyone with like empathy or anything experiencing this, but yeah, I think like, yeah, I mean, I can't imagine the struggle that some people go through. So yeah. I think you're very right. You should absolutely try to do something, make a move in any direction to try to like shake something loose. Therapists right yeah. now are seeing people online. Um, yeah. So if you don't want to leave your house, that's uh, something you can do. Also uh, just so crazy. It's just such a crazy story about nylon. Isn't I mean, it? Yeah, it's just nuts that like, it's just nuts. It's nuts how we've, we've come to this point. Like when you think about when they first discovered plastic, they were like, oh my God, a revolutionary you know, material. And now it's like, is, is there, a, I mean, it's got to be top five worst discoveries. Yeah, yeah. In our world. I mean, yeah. you know. Oh, for sure. All right. All right. Take care, asshole. You fuck off. Son of a bitch. Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this uh, this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army, to join me for. I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, Dublin, September 17th, and September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham, September 20th, Bristol, September 22nd, and Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it after it. Let's see you there. Hey there, people listening to The Dollop. Uh, this is Gareth. Yes, the same guy. I Listen, I have a new podcast called We're Here to Help that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't, but we try to help people with problems that are important to them. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it, but either way, fun half hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and the episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help. 